when I first started, I couldn't even kick up against the wall for four or five months. Couldn't do an handstand push-up for six months. Couldn't handstand walk, because obviously, literally the last 12 months, I've only just been getting better yeah. at them. Because from the outside, everyone probably thought I was happy, yeah, but yeah. I didn't actually show that. I'd probably put in a, put in a mask on and being like, oh, I'm all right. Every day, try and do something new or something that's make, that makes you uncomfortable. Hello. When you get a second, please will you subscribe, like, or follow us wherever you listen to this podcast. It helps us more than you know. Today, we are joined by probably the nicest guy in UK CrossFit, Philroy Peters. We dive into how he's got to where he is now, being pretty much a full-time athlete, and he shows us the wisdom he's gained over the years from his very short life on this earth so far. Enjoy! I remember quite a bit of it already, so I think I'll be starting on a, yeah. on a good note. On the front foot. Yeah. yeah. And... It's just nice yeah, to learn another language, isn't it? You yeah. actually communicate instead of being English. I think English. There's, there's French or German, that are, that's what I studied at school through to GCC. Yeah. And I think I'm more likely to need to speak French yeah. at some point in the rest of my life than German. So. Are you going to be going France a lot? Is that what you're gonna Probably not. No. <laughs> That's a few French speaking African One countries day I might in the Congo. France and someone will be like, oh, how do we order this food? And go, leave it to me, guys. Off the tongue. And you spit bars around. My man's saying he's gonna Congo. If you, Congo? Not a place to go. <laughs> if you had to speak a language, you another language. What language would you speak? Portuguese. Portuguese? Or French. I like to say a French cafe. Not French. Should Portuguese we, cafe. Should we learn French? Should we? We, we, As we. I do. As I do. <laughs> um, well, the uh, Mayan, they're going to be Spanish, Spanish now, aren't yeah, they? Well, yeah, well, yeah, that was what I was also thinking, okay. is that okay. we could start, if I could speak fluent French, we could start putting out tips in French. Yeah. You've got yeah, a big CrossFit community as well, aren't they? Mm, they're a big CrossFit like community. Big. And they're all, like, there's a lot of French people who are only French-speaking. Yeah. What about Chinese? That's, that's <laughs> levels. That is levels. <laughs> yeah, like you've got to actually relearn the alphabet for yeah. that, not just you words. You've got to reword your sentence. that market there. You can do Chinese. <laughs> you can do I'll Chinese. Do French. You can do Portugal. I think we should, if we Fair learn language. French and then we just start spitting bars. Washing out stuff. Because yeah. Mayhem did it with, what's it called, you know, Argentina. Yeah. They speak. Yeah, with, with Guy. What do they speak? We're recording it. Argentina yeah, speak Brazilian. We actually started the podcast. Yeah, started. started. There you go. Yeah. Started yeah. a conversation. <laughs> um, today we've got with us the newest addition to the JST Compete team, Phil Roy Peters. I'm in him, Philroy Clifton, Peters. Mm-hmm. Name on it. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get stuck straight into it. Mm-hmm. What was it like growing up in the Peters household? In the Peters household. What do you remember when you were? When I was younger, so first memory was probably Christmas, because like I grew up with just mom, so I never really had my dad around, um, and just Christmas every time, just celebrating um, birthdays and holidays with my brother and my mom. Growing up, we would always kind of go on little holidays around England. Yeah. A few trips to Gegness, and we at West Blackpool. Your typical like English stuff that <laughs> like, you wouldn't even think I'd be, we'd be doing. But um, like when she was younger, she would like she just loved taking photos because when she was younger, back in Jamaica, that she's got like one photo of when she was under ten years old. 
Yeah, so like when she, we grew up, like you know, when you're young, you're like, I'll oh, stop taking the photos. Yeah, but for yeah. her, it was like a memory. Yeah. Like we go through all the photo albums. There's like tons of photos of when she moved over to England. Yeah. Of us, her friends, and stuff like that. Literally, I'm looking through like cleaning out a certain room and like, how many photos do you have? But like it's for her, it's like a memory to be yeah, be yeah. able to hold off, hold on to because when she was younger, she had one photo. When she was younger, that's it. So when did uh, when did your mum move up? Because were, were you six? Did you do I remember six when you moved over from Jamaica? No, no, you, I I was born in Sheffield. You were born in Sheffield. Yeah. I thought you could move over. My Yorkshireman. Six. I don't know why I thought. You're that. Yorkshireman. Yeah, my Yorkshireman. So when did your mum move over from Jamaica? I think she. So she was actually born in England as well. So all of right, her okay. siblings were born in Jamaica, but right. they went back. You know, so it's basically it was to help out with like the whole passport and stuff like being right. able to go and move going um, back and forth to the UK yeah. but she was raised in Jamaica and she came over here to study uni right. uh, I think I don't know the exact date when she moved over but she was probably in her late 20s I believe um, so she moved over all of her family moved over because she oh, she's the youngest sibling out of I think four four brothers and one sister right. um, so they're all in London so yeah. we magically moved up north well we she was raised in Burton and Trent. Well, she, that's where she was born. Right. And uh, with all the siblings, and then went back to Jamaica. Then they all went back down south. Then one of her best mates in school, she was actually started in Sheffield. Yeah. And then she went back down to London. Mum moved to Sheffield and studied at the uni. But I don't remember what she studied. Yeah. What? How would you describe like the upbringing you had then, when yeah. from from as early as you can remember, like? Because that, like, to me now you yeah. seem a very kind of relaxed kind of person yeah. and when i think of jamaica yeah like similar sort of vibes yeah. you know what i mean yeah whether that's just like a bit of a stereotype in yeah, my yeah. mind like i don't know is that yeah. what it was kind of i feel like like, w- like when i've gone back when i was younger because i've been back like two or three times that i can remember um it's fairly relaxed but the way my mom was brought up is a lot different to how i probably brought up so like for instance there was a, li- a room that only the parents were allowed to go into and like you've probably seen it in some old like families where the, you know, the sofas that are covered in plastic because they want to keep it mint. Yeah, yeah. Like they weren't allowed in that room. <laughs> and like obviously with the whole like parenting in Jamaica that you've probably seen about back in the day, they're getting like beatings and stuff like if you do something wrong. So for me, growing up, I was I was prob- pretty calm, but I was like always wanting to be outside. Yeah. Obviously when I did, did do something wrong, I'd get like a, get the belt out. <laughs> yeah. I was like a typical thing, run away from the mum. But yeah, I was always fairly, fairly relaxed, but I always wanted to be outside, always doing sports, like with like people from school, my brother. Um, and yeah, pretty chill when I was younger. Yeah. You and your brother are pretty close. Are you some pretty similar in age? We were, yeah, my brother's two years older. When we were younger, we were just fighting and fighting and fighting. That literally, that's all we used to do. I think like, that's just brothers though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's two years older, <laughs> but I'd always, I'd have this aggression on my brother that I'd only have with him. <laughs> whereby if I did it with someone else, it's like, that's a bit too far. Yeah. Like growing up, we watched like Dragon Ball Z, all the stuff and like fighting games. So like we'd practice little moves on each other. Like when our cousins would come up from London, we'd like practice like wrestling moves. There was this one anime wrestling. It was like, it was basically the anime was wrestling. So you'd like try those different moves and that's when you kind of go into WWE watching that, thinking you're going to be the next John Cena. (laughs) I I don't know about you, but I feel like having a sibling that is a similar age does early on develop a bit of bit more competitiveness like yeah. I was I was somewhat competitive with my brother like more so probably on games and stuff really yeah, yeah definitely. Um, but I feel like as you grow up 
you, that kind of spurs you on a little bit more. It's like, yeah. oh, like, like I want to be, yeah. take that into school, like, oh, I want to beat that guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think it's, it's like what you're around as well, so you're going to be, so my brother was, it's like two, yeah, three years older than me. Um, and then he's like, if he has his friends around, and then you're in like a bit of a, a group, and you're, you're not that younger that you just like can't contest and you like, you're playing football with them yeah. or whatever, or you're doing something. You're not too young that it's just impossible to try and beat them. Yeah. You, you're you hanging there sometimes. Yeah, it's close enough to get like a little bit of a sniff and have yeah. a little do. But I think it also, for me, it teaches you a lot. Like you just get used to just trying your hardest, giving it everything, still losing, but then yeah. coming back and Working going back and going it. back and going back. You're the older brother, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. How did you? So if if. So for me and Phil Roy coming in similar, my your brother's two years older. Yeah. My brother's three years older, but you're two years older than your brother Jack. Yeah. How do you find? How did you find it, that kind of being the other way around as the older brother? Um, for me and my brother, my brother would. I feel like he tended to give up a little bit right, too yeah. soon, which frustrated me because I'd want to like Push keep on. doing it, keep doing it, keep yeah. doing it. Um, so I think my like competitiveness was probably more from my grandpa he was right, probably yeah. a bit more of an influence um on me there and he was always like you try you try you know your best um if you're going to do something you know you, you give, give it your all. all um so i feel like for me it came from my grandpa a little bit more so than my little brother like i said it the only the only thing me and my brother were competitive about was was games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> same. Like growing up playing FIFA, I don't like from time to time I'd beat him, but he was like always virtual games. Like he beat me in Dragon Ball Z, beat me in FIFA, but like, I knew in real life, like from when I was like six, I was better than him at football. Yeah, like he was like the kind of like lazy one that would get put in the net. Yeah, yeah. So to speak, and I'd be like just running around wanting to be better because like he, I saw him playing football, and I was like, I want to be, I want to play football as well. And like from an early age, I realized I was better than him. Yeah. I'd always play with like all the people, like brothers, mates, cousins, like they're older. So I, I was always used to like getting beat, getting out muscled from a younger yeah. age. So when I kind of built up my capacity to be able to realize, oh, I can be a bit faster than, or a bit more agile than all the people. Yeah. I started to realize that it's not, age is just a number in this kind of, in sport sometimes, especially younger. You think, oh, because I was quite small and skinny. Then I got had a little growth spurt, and from there, just being able to um, be in that situation where I've been smaller, been slower, and not being as good as other people, yeah. it made me want to push on. Compared to my brother, he was a bit less like competitive on the actual real sports. Yeah. I wanted to literally play football, play basketball, play badminton, play tennis, yeah, yeah. everything. You know what I mean? I think we've spoke about it before in a podcast. It was a couple of years ago, actually, about um, like the fear of. Fear of failure. Mm-hmm. If you remember talking about it, um, and I think there's a lot to there's a lot to say for when you're when you're younger and you're growing up, of not getting used to losing. I don't think that's the right term. Or you get used to failing, but getting used to dealing with failure, yeah. um, like how, how you've you've said there. And I, and I can watching you now as a as an athlete in CrossFit can understand now a few things from what you've just said from when you're growing up as to like when you do like like you miss a handstand walking training yeah. or you yeah. don't get the meters 
like it's not toys out of the pram like yeah. fuck this and like yeah. chuck everything and give up it's just you just walk back to the line you have a minute and you just try again yeah. and try again and try again and whether you like a year and a bit ago you'd be, te- you'd be quite a few minutes behind the rest of the crew in handsome walk yeah. and now and now you're in there yeah. and I used to think back a, a year ago when I'd see you do them and I think fair play to this lad like he knows he struggles with handstand walk. Yeah. He's not scaling it. He's going. He's going for it, and people are going. Like I remember the rowing and handstand walk. Yeah. If you remember it pre yeah, semi-finals yeah. or pre quarters mm-hmm. when we chipped in, and just kept going, just yeah. kept going, just kept going, and people were going up and down yeah. faster, and just just kept going. And now he gets to the point where just the other week he was yeah. thirty meters unbroken. Yeah. Potentially nearly. I don't. Were you faster than Reggie? He got like a meter ahead. He was close, yeah, yeah. like he was, yeah. he was up there, and it's just like to think a year ago, literally five meters would be a, like I'd be yeah, exactly. fist bumping myself. I think myself. a lot of it comes down from just like the attitude that you've got then from like being like, around like people beaten, that are better than you, yeah, yeah. And around people, but it's how you like how you use that yeah. to get yourself better rather than a lot of people could just go, I'm not doing handsome walks with these lot, mm-hmm. like there's not a chance because they'll, they'll smash me and yeah. like I'll just look stupid it's just I think you gain a lot of that growing up from what you're around and yeah. put yourself in because um, I'd spoke about it I was in I went to a football team that lost a lot of games we probably lost as many as we won probably drew a few as well we were a great team but you just get used to losing and then when you win rather high. than just getting used to like winning 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 we've been around athletes that have been at a higher level sport early on mm-hmm. where they've been winning 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 got to the top been the captain where losing rarely happens yeah and then when they do lose when they come or when they, they do what's the right word fail yeah come up against a challenge you can probably know what i'm talking about so like straight away but you come up against a challenge and like they lose they lose, lose their head they don't know how to yeah, attack it that so in sailing very similar like most of the time you're not winning you're not winning a race like pretty much every race you're probably second third fourth you know down in the pack um so very rarely you do win in sailing um but the people who were winning when i was like 12 13 like maybe up to 16 most of those people like used to spit the dummy out yeah. when they didn't win a race yeah. and you could see like the parents as well they were like oh like it wasn't your fault fault yeah. it was that sort of kind of culture for those for those people you did have the odd kind of special one where, who you could see just have this little bit about them where there was a bit more to it they wouldn't win every single race but they were consistently up there and they were always kind of, you could see, they were always trying to pick up something off, you know, the people, people who, who yeah. were around a bit more. Like trying to get um, a lesson out of every single and, event. Yeah, and the prime one that springs to my mind in the sailing world is a mate called Elliot Hampson, and he went to the Olympics in Tokyo. Yeah. Um, and like I say, he was one of those people who, he didn't always win, but he'd always just be there like chipping, you know, chipping, chipping away. away. Um, so for you, when you kind of had that growth spurt, yeah. um, what sort of age were you then? You went into football, didn't you? Yeah, so I started playing football from when I was like five or six Sunday league club. Um, and we played, when I was 11, so going into secondary school, 
we played Barnsley, so Hansa Foyce played Barnsley and the coach for Barnsley was like, oh, I want you to go on trial, but along with three other players. Um, so then Grosspet was about year nine, or mm -hmm. yeah, around year eight, year nine. It was like always summer, like you get most of your sleep. Yeah, you're, you're going out, you're knackered, had your tea, you go to sleep, wake up next day, do the same thing in summer, you're like, I can't be asked to go to school. I remember that, you know, everyone came back to school in year 10, man, I was like, what the fuck? Are you, are you, are you the same I'm person? Still, I'm still four foot two and everyone just shot up. Like, rugby season just started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and then I think I, I was like, I was six foot when I was 14, 15, I think. Oh, really? Just under. So I was definitely just under six foot when I was 14. About 72 kilos, which was quite heavy for someone in school, yeah. like in those kind of, in a football kind of term. And then, didn't have any shin, shin splints or anything like that, Os Osgus Slatis, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like, um, just carrying on enjoying football, then carried on playing until I was 18. Then, so, two-year scholarship from 16 to 18, didn't get a pro after that, and then found CrossFit a year after that. So, for your mum, did she kind of encourage you to... Oh, yeah, Like, 100%. did she really push you into doing yeah, that? Like, I don't she think... she a bit more kind of like, you just do what you want to... I don't think I would have even... In fact, yeah, she pushed... She was one that pushed me to go on trial. Right, okay. And, but, in, like, in back in the day, I always look back, and like, my mum literally drove me to every training session, yeah. every match on a Saturday. We trained Sunday league twice a week, then played on the Saturday. No, sorry, Sunday. And even, like, when I used to play basketball, I played basketball alongside football sometimes. Mm -hmm. She always wanted us to do cricket, tennis, everything. Summer holidays, you're not staying at home. Yeah. You're going down to another secondary school and yeah, camp. Yeah, doing a, a summer camp with yeah. a few of my mates that like, which around the corner from the school. We'd walk over there about 20 minutes. She'd always want us to do some sort of physical activity because she knew like could, there'd be a possibility of anything. And um, I feel like without her, I probably wouldn't have even, probably wouldn't even do CrossFit because if I didn't play for Barnsley, I wouldn't have even found CrossFit. Yeah. Like wouldn't be at that level, yeah. mindset and physical. Um, so like, yeah, she was one that, she wasn't very pushy. She was like, she just wanted to support me and what I wanted to do, mm -hmm. no matter what it was. But obviously for most of the time it was football. Um, always like, she worked like crazy hours. Like sometimes she left work to drop me off to training. Um, she'd always try and pick me up when she could. Um, so she's always been the, like my, my main supporter, always been there for me. And like, probably couldn't have even done anything without her. Yeah. When you were, so when you got that scholarship, yeah, were you like what was it? Were you in like the Barnsley Academy? What was like yeah. the setup like? So what was it like that? Barnsley Academy. So from when I was eleven, then when you get to sixteen, you you get your scholarship or slash apprenticeship with Barnsley. Um, so training before that was Monday. You could leave school on a Tuesday for the whole day, which is why the maths got a little <laughs> bit harder after that. <laughs> Train Monday, Thursday from five till half eight. And then Tuesday was a whole day, double sessions sometimes, uh, most of the time. Um, and then play on a Saturday. Uh, scholarship side, we was in Monday to Saturday, basically. Uh, we'd go in Monday, train Monday. We'd probably get in for like eight. Then we'd leave about four, half four. Then if the first team had a game, like Tuesday night game, Monday night game, we'd train a little bit later and stay until eight, mm -hmm. nine, until the game's done, go home, come back the next day kind of thing and then we'd have college Wednesday all no Wednesday all day Thursday afternoon so it was kind of basically like a full-time apprenticeship but yeah. from the outside everyone's like oh yeah you're 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 sick you're able, you're training like two three hours a day just playing football like now we're scrubbing the floors mopping mopping the floor all that kind of stuff getting the first team kit in so yeah 
working working your way up. Yeah. yeah. So we had a conversation with the guys here at um, Wigan Warriors. in Wigan Warriors. Yeah, they do like an education for the for the learners, like the, the 14 to 16, 17 year olds coming through, uh, and that's the message that they were trying to get across. Is that you start and you you scrubbing like you yeah. scrubbing the change rooms, or yeah. you're doing the jobs that like, you have to work your way yeah. up rather than just like straight into place for yeah. like a job or the gun, yeah straight in the first team or yeah. like you have to earn your yeah earn and your I feel value. like for some people like in our team um, some people just can't bother to do that kind of stuff like yeah. they've probably never done it at home as well yeah. probably got the bed sheets changed exactly. washing done all the time but like you could see the people in our team the first year and second year scholars that were like yeah jobs just got to get it done when it's done you can go yeah so what so when you missed out on the you know, on the on the first team yeah. or progressing from the academy. Yeah. Like, how did you feel at that point? Was it kind of a big? Did you feel like were you gutted about it? Were you just kind of, you know, very accepting of it? Were you, you know, what what was your? I was so for the first year, I was like buzzing because being a first year, so as first year and second year scholars, being a first year, starting the first game of the season, I was like, I was like playing right back. I was like doing bits here, yeah. and then the next game, I think. I, didn't, I think I played the next game, but the game after that, I might have either got dropped or injured. So the last two years of my scholarship, I was injured more than I was actually playing. Right, okay. And I think over two seasons, like mentally, mate, I was just drained and like, I knew not, so there's a few players that get put into the under 23 squad, under 21 squad, and you know, the first team manager's trying to push them on. I never played in that position, so, yeah. never got put in that position. So I realised from quite an early start that it's probably not gonna be, gonna dwell well. like. Progressing in football or at, at Barnsley, um, few injuries and stuff like that, and mentally I just wasn't in a happy space from football politics side of that. But I I always accepted that there's a reason why these guys are getting chosen. Like they they're better than me. Like two of my best mates were two centre backs that got put onto the under twenty ones. They were better than me. They performed better on the pitch. So I always accepted that. And I just from then I just said I'm not making any excuses for anything. Yeah. Like there's always people around you making excuses. Like. The excuses you're making, you can change that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then moving from then, um, I kind of accepted that I'm not probably not going to play football anymore. Got a few offers from like Sunday league clubs or like non-league clubs and I was like, went to a training session, I was like, my head's not in anymore. Yeah. I enjoy the training side, but if I'm not surrounded by people that are the same mentality, yeah. like going out to drink after, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like if you're in a team, you want to be promoted every bloody season, if you know it. I just don't want to carry it on, so. Yeah. It's interesting, the, um, well, it's good, the, the level of responsibility that you've had on your own, yeah. uh, like your own actions and your own performances. Then, what so what age were you there? Like 18? 18, 18, yeah, 18, 18 when I stopped playing. Um, and we, uh, that's like one of our what we say is like one of our core values at the JST Computers. Like you take responsibility. Yeah. Even though there might be some areas that have come down to like other people, as as where you can in most circumstances, like you take your own responsibility on yourself to kind of like change or decide your route like your path and your outcome rather than pointing the finger mm-hmm. um, amongst other people so it's, it's good that you actually had that such yeah. an early age because I don't think a lot of people at 17 or 18 who'd get potentially dropped from a, a pro club yeah. would, would have that yeah I think the other one is humility as well like yeah. you said you know two of your best mates were centre-backs and they got put into the under 21 squad or if you weren't getting picked for games like you know, accepting that, you know, they're being chosen for a reason, like, yeah. you know, you're still yeah. probably backing them and still giving yeah. them support as yeah, well. Yeah. 
can't what, be sour on their success, can you? Yeah, but where did th- where did that come from? Like, mm. what ha- like? For me, I, I like for, like for me playing football. My goal was like my dream would be to play for Chelsea. I've always supported Chelsea all my life, <laughs> and like for me, like when I'm playing FIFA, I'd always like when they had to be a be a pro player. It's like you basically like be a live player in the actual um, Chelsea squad. I'm like one day I'm gonna have that be number five, and yeah. I put Peters on the back. Yeah. So I was like always a dream goal of mine. So it didn't happen, <laughs> but like for that, it's like being able to realize that. Maybe that dream's not going to come true, but you could, there's always different things. And like, a lot of my friends still play football. It's like, I don't want to be holding on to something that I've always wanted to do just because everyone else is playing playing it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, they all, that's the only thing they can kind of think of doing. Yeah. yeah. So what, after you left Barnsley, yeah. what did you what did you do then? Because you've, you've not been to, you didn't go to uni. No, you decided not no, to go to uni. No, no. So, so what? For me, it was so... During um, our apprenticeship um, at Barnsley, you could do a coach. We did a coaching course, um, past the, the beginner level or whatever it was, and did um, some college stuff. But I never really enjoyed school. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed. Mum's cramping up. So. I got how much things are gone mate um so yeah i never really i enjoyed school but like i realized at an early age like some of the math stuff i'm like i'm never gonna use this outside of school yeah. it's obviously to pass obviously certain people stayed in school and they got decent careers they've got decent stuff but i just went into like full-time employment first job out of barnsley was working at jd jd sports full-time as a sales assistant so guys you see floating around the shop floor looking like they're idle as idle as fuck <laughs> yeah. so um did that for like nine months um did a few other jobs worked full time but the whole time i was always doing like strength conditioning mm-hmm. a bit of bodybuilding on the side and stuff like that but i had a mate that was on jt at the time and i hadn't seen him since we left school i hadn't seen a lot of my mates since i left school um just because i was like full-on like wanting to be a footballer and he was like oh because i remember in school he was doing strict handstand push-ups against the wall and I was like, yeah. yeah. And all I could do was push-ups, bicep curls, yeah. squat, pull-ups. <laughs> and I was like, I remember this fucking guy. Like, <laughs> met up with him for a coffee and something to eat. He's like, I was working exercise for less at the time. And I was like, I'll sneak you in and we'll get a little CrossFit session in. Yeah. Kid you not, mate. Worst, <laughs> worst workout of my life. Couldn't even hold a 22 dumbbell above my head. It was overhead dumbbell lunges. Um, single arm, sorry. Um, I used to use a 12 kilo dumbbell <laughs> <laughs> and burpees over over dumbbell for like a 10 minute unwrap. Yeah. Two minutes in, I'm like, I'm not doing a bloody burpee for fuck knows how long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heart rates are like 190. Well, I thought it was back then. <laughs> Heart rates probably never been up there. So dabble into CrossFit and then saw JST on YouTube because I think one of my mates, Dan, told me about Taz yeah. going to the games as a teen. And then Craig Ritchie put a video on YouTube about he was all training at uh, Big, big training day. Yeah. I was oh, like, I fucking okay. want to get in on this. Yeah. And then started doing a bit of JST with him every now and then. Signed up to the program. So literally binge watched all the JST <laughs> like training days. I was like, one day I'm gonna, <laughs> one day I'm gonna be on that channel, mate. You watch. <laughs> but obviously you did the same thing where you watch the Netflix documentary. I'm going to the fucking games, yeah, mate. Yeah. Going to the games. <laughs> like, oh, it's easy that. Um, so I always had the mentality of like trying to same as football, doing my best as best that I can in CrossFit. So. Cool that on that road, JST is, is his first like 
introduction into yeah to, to CrossFit. Yeah. I don't know how many people who are on the program can say that. Yeah. I think most people they'll they'll get into CrossFit, they'll join a gym, yeah. they'll do some classes, yeah. and then or they'll they'll be floating around doing bits and bobs, and then they'll gradually progress and maybe sign up to JST like yeah. further down the line but you've just gone we Straight, want that yeah, bomb yeah, yeah. on the program yeah and we used to, <laughs> I used to like see like Shunky and you put um, workouts and I'm like screenshot that put it in notes <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I'll do that workout one day when I can actually do a muscle up <laughs> yeah. or when I can actually do a handstand push up you know what I mean so it was always like it's kind of like idolising certain people like for instance you two with Shunky Reggie being like they've done that workout one day and want to be able to get close to that time or even be able to just snatch that barbell, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's cool, man. It's cool yeah. to see, like here that yeah. we've inspired a few people. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's, in, now he's here, training. I know. M- moving to Wigan in, yeah, man. officially in 18th. nine days. 18th, hopefully, if you accept me. Training there full time. They've not accepted you yet. They've accepted me, <laughs> but... They're doing, they're doing some research. See what happens. <laughs> <laughs> some research on the boy. But then here, working as a coach. Working for the boys. Yeah. Cool. For the squad. Way, uh, all the way up. I feel like it's probably I'm gonna turn this to you now. Yeah. What made you want to make Kilbury a part of the team? Um, I think well, I think the first time we met met you was when we did Utopia Super Saturday at Utopia yeah. at Sammy's gym. I remember you yeah. Yeah. shared yeah. about yeah. it. I feel like I've met so you I before think... at some point. I think I just knew of yeah. I knew of you for a long time before yeah. then. Just because obviously being on the program, we yeah. had quite a few people. Watch out for Phil Roy. I think a few people had messaged him. Um, I remember him. So I feel like I'd known him before then, but obviously we must have never met like in, in, in person. person. And then it was just like, I don't know, it was just like a really natural thing. You turn up to Super Saturdays, and that's what Super Saturdays was about, like yeah. getting people getting together. Involved. And then it was just like, right, well, wherever we're going, like, just Phil Roy fancy it, like yeah. drop, drop a message, and then you'd come over to Wigan. Yeah. Um, and I think just like off everything you've explained there about like you're someone who takes responsibility, like you've got humility, like yeah, yeah. down to earth, just like nice, nice guy, and that, and it's I think it goes along goes a long way in all different walks of life really, whether it's a job, whether it's sport or whatever. If you've got those two qualities, then I think doors will, doors will open for you. Um, and yeah, and obviously pretty decent athlete <laughs> himself. Yeah. but the things like the handstand walk thing where you can see like it shows a lot where you see someone it's like right we um, found out that handstand walks handstand walks are something that like, you, sh- you struggle yeah, with yeah definitely like, 100% you've got like snatches where you go in 110 kilos plus at the time and you clean 140 kilos plus and you yeah. can roll stupid paces and yeah. do 50 unbroken toaster bar but then your handstand walks are like they're down they're not at that same yeah. level but it's then like when you see someone's attitude towards that, some people run away from it. Yeah. Some people just like stick with it and keep going. Some yeah. people lose lose their head. And when you see someone's attitude where they just keep plugging away and then you can actually then see them keep progressing and they're getting them getting results from, from plugging away. Like that just shows more about someone's like like personality and yeah. mentality and just yeah. like approach to not just training. But life, right. like if you're coming on and, and you're a coach on, on JST, it's like, Phil Ray, I feel like you need to improve at this area yeah. of your job. I know that for me to say that to you, it's something that you'll then work on to improve because you've shown that in other no aspects, aspects, like handstand walk for this instance, yeah. and like you've just said then about you know football and yeah. 
your kind of morals as, as you've grown up. So I think it's just one of them, like someone, you've again, someone that's just got involved in everything that we've done, JST, and just like a good ambassador. So I feel like it was the, it was, it was, that's what we want, isn't it? We yeah. want people in, people within JST who just like, fully bought into what what we do yeah but um, well, i had adam goodrell message me just completely out of the blue and he was like oh is like is phil where he joined the team and i was thinking it's gonna go one or two ways this <laughs> and he was like i was like yeah he has yeah he's uh like you know um helping us out doing a bit of like coaching on on fitter and, and stuff uh, and he was like do you know what? That's so good because I've known him for a good few years now, and he's one of the kindest people you'll you'll ever meet, and he's just a great, just a great person. Um, Man's growing. But for someone to message you yeah, yeah, out yeah, of the blue yeah. like that, you yeah. can see that you know it's you're obviously it's appreciated. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was. It's good as well because we're, we're very conscious of, of showing the, the spectrum of athletes that we've got in the programme and how like, you know, we do quite a lot of things within the programme where someone who's who's joining and relatively new to like this competitive side of CrossFit to all the way up to like the level that you're at now with like with Reggie and the guys that are here like elite level, we want to create like a service and a pathway where people can use our programmes, use us to get advice from to be able to then like climb the way up the rankings and, and, and get themselves better. And I think it's just a perfect example of someone yeah. who started, like it's literally your first week of CrossFit, you joined the programme. And then, what was it, three years, two two years, three years later. Because yeah. like, yeah. like you said with the YouTube videos, obviously a couple of years ago when you first saw it, you saw us and you were, you know, kind of inspired and yeah. like, oh, I want to do this. Yeah. like people will, will probably see a bit more of your journey and where you've come from hopefully yeah. through this podcast and you know through youtube and other ways as well and hopefully be inspired to do you know similar stuff yeah. um and like you say it's people who starting off like there is because there is hope because yeah, like you a, said you had a lot of injuries as well yeah, when you yeah. were playing football which you probably came into crossfit yeah and maybe they were still yeah, yeah. still there as well. So I always think there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. Like yeah. especially when you're starting off brand new. I don't think, oh, I can't do a muscle up, can't do a pull up. It's CrossFit, we'd always do pull ups at football, so I could do pull ups, but keeping pull ups, mate, could only do like ten. Yeah. Couldn't do butterfly pull ups, couldn't do chest bars, that kind of stuff. And like when you once you've taken a step back on your life or like in certain positions in your life and realise, look where you started, like, yeah. fucking hell, I've come a long way. It's like the times where you doubt yourself. Just look back, look back where you started and think, if I was back then looking at myself now, I'd be laughing yeah. right now. Yeah. The, the other thing as well that sticks out to me is, like you said, this is re the responsibility you had, but also the courage you had to be like, I'm gonna ask Steve and Jack if I can come over to Wigan and yeah. you know see if we can join in. Because. Yeah. Yeah. You're one of very few people to have ever have asked us that. Yeah, a few people, but it's not. Yeah, it's not many. I think a lot of people. So again, why we do the super Saturdays, why that's developed into regionals to create mm -hmm. that platform to, for people to be able to then go and train with the yeah. train with you, yeah. train with Reg, train with us, train with you know people that are down south, like to, to train with these higher level 
athlete. Um, yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, were you scared were you scared mate when I came down I remember messaging Steve and I was like my train's delayed <laughs> yeah, so I was, at, I was at the train station freezing cold like I think the train was like half six I was gonna get I was like gonna get here at eight o'clock early <laughs> yeah. bird catch the worm I was like I'm gonna show him I'm the one train got delayed and then he rocks in I'm like I sat down in, at force <laughs> yeah. and Reggie I've, first time I've seen Reggie or anyone I've, I met both of you but no one else and I'm like, my, my heart just started racing. And Reggie's <laughs> yeah. like, joining me with us today. I was like, yeah, man. He's like, I've got some rowing to do. I was like, come on then. <laughs> yeah. So literally the ice got broke from the start. Like you can tell like with certain people, once you just be just be yourself. Yeah. Don't try and act up. Don't try and be shy. Just literally be yourself. Like I was a bit quiet at the start. because obviously mm -hmm. around new people, you're going to be a bit, little bit quiet. But yeah. literally after that first week, I like, just fell at home, like normal conversations. I, think I, I, I noticed that a lot in, in people. And I think it's because it's something that I always used to to do myself and probably still do myself now is that is when you're going into the new these new environments like i'm usually the one that will just sit there and like not probably not say anything for yeah. probably a, a lot of the time but uh, but i'm not saying anything because not that i've not got anything to say but i'd rather sit there and like learn analyze. from the environment yeah, yeah analyze it. things and like sponge it all in and then like deal with that information and take what, rather than just like jumping straight into a new environment yeah. and then like trying to like fit in just, just sit back and gather your thoughts yeah, gather things and yeah. just like take on and just yeah just like assess the environment yeah. a little bit yeah um yeah <laughs> um my dad pointed at this out to me on on saturday night and he said that when i was younger uh, I used to go up to the caravan with grandma and granddad and I'd be playing on the park and if other kids came over, like I'd play with them, yeah. but I'd like, would be too scared to just go and join another like group of, group of kids. Yeah. Um, and I, for me, I've, I've always tried to work my way into like a situation that I want to get into by just getting my head, like my head down and, and working hard. So, so for, as, as an example of where that then paid off was um, at CrossFit Cliverall when I was like, I'm going to put myself in that position and I'm going to do what I do and see what kind of happens and see if anyone comes over. Yeah. Um, and then Phil was like, oh, do you want to come down to GST? Yeah. And then it kind of opened opportunities up for me that way. Um, and I feel like for, for, your, for yourself, yeah. you... Probably, I don't know if you're similar there or not. I feel like you're a bit more maybe outgoing than what yeah. than what I was. But you get your head down, yeah, and you do the work, and you you let the kind of results. Yeah. Say so when I was younger, like I'd always want to be involved with everyone, like no matter what you are, like in school, probably like the smarter people. I was like mixed between the smarter people and the not so smarter people, the kids yeah. that I'd mess about, kids that literally top button done up, tie done. Yeah always had shoes on, that kind of stuff. So I always wanted to be kind of understanding of everyone, mm -hmm. no matter who they are. Well, like when I was younger, like, I was pretty shy when I was younger, to be honest. If I didn't know someone, I'd be yeah. like, yeah, shy away from them. But well, like, yeah. if we were like playing a game after that, sound out, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, yeah, it's interesting. So like, what would you, so someone who's, like say, someone who's new on the programme's listening now, they've been on the programme for like a month or so, and yeah. They've got aspirations to get themselves as high up in CrossFit, competitive CrossFit, as possible. 
um, just like what would you, like they're on GST, what would you say, what's your best advice for them? I'd say literally, whichever is your clo closest regional, get yourself down there and just just literally absorb everything in. You'll you'll probably see different types of athletes um, and you'll like make yourself realise that, I even ask them how long they've been doing CrossFit. Yeah. Like for a lot of the time I'm quite a visual learner so I was like Netflix, YouTube stuff, all that kind of stuff. Just so, try and soak in as much as possible because like, for me that's the way the best way I learn. <laughs> And then a lot of rec recording yourself, like send them into the, the chat because like, I don't feel people use the JST Compete yeah. on the fitter as much as they, they could. It's yeah. like you can no you notice when people are like asking for tips, asking for help and just like finding out other JST athletes that are around you. Yeah. Like, kind of luckily in a way, um, I was able to train with a mate a lot of the time, but majority of my training before that was on my own. Yeah. Like, like, like you said with the handstand walks, when I came here, Realised I was pre pretty bad at handstand walks. I was coming last all the time. I was like, finished that workout, I got home next week. I was like, twice a week on a handstand walk. Because yeah, yeah. I, I went back home, I trained at JD Gym, so commercial gym, but quite a decent function area. But I was like, every day, like, I've done my handstand walks today. Yeah. Second time in a week, I've done my handstand walks. Once it's done, boshed yeah. off. Yeah. And I'd always, at the start, it was literally just do five sets of 10, minute, 10 meters. And after that, I built 10 sets of 10 meters. And over time, you kind of get in that 100 meter volume in twice a week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, just yeah. being able to like soak everything up. Yeah. You you are definitely a very curious person yeah. as well. Like like you said, you know, be curious, go to the events. Uh, an example of yourself was when we were in Miami, we just kind of went for a walk around. Like you wanted yeah. to explore. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you want to see, you know, everything. what you can do, what's out there, yeah. like. What is it that's going to benefit me? Yeah. You know, I do think that is a really good um, what do you call it value or characteristic to have yeah. to pick up things, mm -hmm. um, and it it might be useful, it might not be useful, but at least you can you've seen it and then you can make a decision, you know, what you want to do with it yeah. from that point as well. Um, yeah. What um, so you're moving to Wigan. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, what, um, what's the plan for the next couple of years? Like, do you see CrossFit as a, a career? Um, like, is a plan to be yeah, pro athlete or? Yeah, definitely. Like, what from year? starting CrossFit, I didn't even want to compete in it. I was like, I just find it a little, little bit of fun yeah. or enjoyment of just being weak, bad at something, improving on it. But like literally the last probably six months, I've realised that probably can do a lot better in a lot of different areas and was trying to make it to the best of my ability, do my best and compete at the CrossFit Games one day, either team or individual. Yeah. But like long, long, long story short, it's just being able to do my best every day, chipping away and the outcome is going to be what I've been doing behind the scenes and not thinking, oh, I do deserve this, I do deserve that, mm -hmm. the work I'm putting in and training, being surrounded by like-minded people, like since moving over here it's literally like training's been the easiest thing yeah. being around Reggie everyone else stuff like that made me realise that sometimes training on your own sometimes isn't ideal yeah. and like for instance a lot of mine and Reggie's strengths and weaknesses like are literally polar, polar opposite yeah, yeah. so us training together literally he'll spank me in one workout and then 
I'll do pretty good in a rope climb kind of workout. Yeah. Vice versa, it just brings both of us up. So yeah, I remember the exact. It was a session. Was it last week or it was the week before? And it was it was literally that there was, um, you did there was part A was strict handstand push-ups yeah. and part B was legless rope yeah. climbs, and I think he had three strict handstand push-ups every minute for fifteen minutes and he was In ten k best, best deficit. six to eight inch deficit yeah. and you were on flat, flat yeah. for three yeah and, and the three for me was a struggle. Then the next part, part B, was like a legless rope. Was it five minute AMRAP or it was it was there was legless rope climbs. And it was like it was literally like polar opposite. Yeah, We've done, yeah. and I was like, look, both of you here. Phil Roy is where Reggie you need where Reggie needs to be at legless rope climbs, yeah. and then like Reggie is where you need to be at strict sand push ups. And I was just like, just yeah. use, use each, each other, other, yeah, rather than just like. And I don't, I didn't need to say it to you, yeah, but we, I felt we like I just it. had to like yeah. I show it and identify it, like use each other there because yeah. mm. you're both at the level. Like if, if you both got to the same level at both of those things, you, yeah, you're world you're world class at those yeah. two things. Yeah. Um, it's good that you've got, they've both got the the attitude to see that. Yeah. Like I didn't need to say it, but you both got yeah. the attitude to see that rather than like, oh, I'm not doing handstand push ups with Reggie, yeah. or I'm not doing rope climbs yeah. with Phil Roy because you'll absolutely smash me. Yeah, literally, we have when we have program, we're like, we go, are you doing this? You're like, yeah. And then he asked me, are you doing this? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> literally, literally, it was like, oh, but yes, this, man. but that. Literally, we're like. We know it's gonna get us better, so just fucking yeah, yeah you know what I mean. Yeah. No ifs, buts, or maybe's. Yeah. As well as uh, obviously working on like handstand walks, yeah. handstand push-ups, overhead stuff. Is there anything else that you've identified for yourself that would is well will help you make help will help make you a better athlete? For me, just being open and just being in a way just. I don't know, being, just not having a hard shell sometimes, just being open mm -hmm. in conversations and stuff like that. Like in the past when I was playing football, that's why I probably like mentally I was kind of drained from that. Um, I just never really spoke out about certain things. Yeah. Like when I was injured, literally it was probably like the first world problem, but like the worst part of my life being injured. Yeah. Going into the gym every day, two, three hours doing rehab. Everyone's like, everyone's happy. I was walking in, head down, chin down, always in an unhappy mood. So like trying to, just have normal chats with people, um, like stuff that's going on outside of training. Because from the outside, probably everyone probably thought I was happy, yeah, but yeah. I didn't actually show that. I'd probably put in a put in a mask on and being like, oh, I'm all right. Yeah. Someone asked you how you're doing, like, I'm all right. You know what I mean? Yeah. For us as coaches, is there anything that you can tell us that would help us potentially identify that? Mm. Like when you think back to when you were injured, like at oh, Barnsley, like. Just <laughs> like, I feel like being genuine, which both of you are. Like back in, when I was playing football, when I, last two years, like I don't think like the coaches were genuine. A lot of time it's like, say one thing and then behind your back they're saying another thing. Yeah, yeah. Whereas with you two, literally straightforward. I'll have like decent laughs with you, but then when it's serious, it's serious, serious, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's serious. Serious. So. Just being able to understand each other. Yeah, just trans trans transparency is probably the word, yeah. isn't it? Like across, I think something that we try and make sure that we are with with everyone yeah. as much as possible. Um, I think it's the benefit of like being in a day-to-day -day situation. Like the more that you're here, the more that we could, like me or Jack, could see and be like, 
Kilroy, I feel like Kilroy's been off the last few days because he looks tired or he looks mm -hmm. like something's not quite right. Yeah. Not that we've had that discussion, but we've, yeah. you know, we have those conversations between us around everyone that's here like, mm, I feel like the last few days this person's been looking tired or mm -hmm. they've been training really well or yeah. something looks like someone's clicked with them about like a certain exercise yeah. or a certain mindset. And I think that's one of the best attributes, one of the best things that we've got now that we're, we're all here in a gym day today. Yeah. Um, which, you know, you can have the best coach, best online coach, remote coach in, thing in the world. If you're 100 miles away, you're 100 miles away, like you don't see the facial expressions, yeah, yeah. body language, like in between sets. Yeah. And I feel like that's like, probably the biggest positive of, of us having this gym. Yeah, and I feel like the training days that we've been having as well, like, it like builds that community of everyone's norm, like certain days where maybe like probably everyone's feeling sore, yeah, but yeah. because both your eyes are on us, yeah, and like you've got you've got to smash this workout to the best of your ability, obviously, like the kind of soreness and the mental fatigue goes away on that session, yeah, yeah. and everyone's just in that zone, and they know this session is going to build them up for the future days where yeah. you're probably not even feeling as sore, but you've got to be at this intensity and a little bit more. Yeah. Those days have like really shaped like. I probably really enjoyed it, obviously probably the harder days, but having everyone kind of suffer together in a way and just being able to yeah. realise that everyone's in this boat together. Um, what would you say is the greatest setback you've had um, since, not just in CrossFit, but yeah. in football that you feel like you've learned, learned from? Yeah. Greatest setback is probably Realizing that I'm not going to make it as a footballer, mm -hmm. um, yeah, like learn a lot from that yeah. mentally. Um, yeah, I've got. Uh, I know a lad who's in a similar position right yeah. now to that, and I'd like to clip this yeah. part of the. I've sent the whole thing, but yeah. I clip this part out and send it to him. So someone who has, let's say, not made it as a footballer. Yeah. I, if you could look back at how you dealt with that whether you did it in the right way or the wrong way, like yeah. what advice would you give to someone who's like been off, like been given that setback and how yeah. it's the best way to like keep perspective and overcome it? So for me, I'd say if you want to carry on playing football, do it because you love it. Um, do what you love and if you realise that you don't actually enjoy it, find something that you probably always wanted to do. Maybe it not, might not even be with sports. Yeah. Maybe it might not even be like something you thought you was good at, but just try and dabble into something that you may have like, oh, one day I want to try this, something in your notes. And realizing that there's a, there's more to life than just kicking a ball around the field. Yeah. There's like being like, for instance, the High Performance Podcast, being being a hero at home. Yeah. Obviously I've kind of bushed the words a bit, but be your best in every single part of your life, not just like for instance, football. You might think that's the only thing in his life now. Yeah, it defines you. Yeah, like it's not the sport doesn't define you. It's who you actually are as a human being. Just the sport is what you currently do. In a few years, you might not. You might go back to football. You might not um, even do any sort of sports. But realizing there's a lot more that you can kind of get out of your life. Yeah. Maybe it might be a big setback, but it might. It's going to make you grow as a person. And don't let it. Don't let it hold you down. Like I saw on the other day. Like how heavy is a glass of water? Hold it for an hour. It's yeah. quite heavy. Hold it for the whole day. You want to drop it? Yeah. Hold it for a week. Your arms gonna feel numb. Yeah, yeah. So for instance, in something that might be negative in your life, the longer you hold it, the worse it's gonna feel in your life. Whereas if that first 
day, week, you let go of it, you don't remember it anymore, drink, do you? Drink the water. Man. Exactly, yeah. Drink it, water, drink water, <laughs> get rid of the cup. Exactly. And then you move Watch on. It up. You move yeah. on. You learn your lesson from there. Yeah, that's, I think it's a really valuable lesson for a lot of for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, let's try and summarise some of the stuff we've we've gone through there. Yep. Steve touched on this just briefly before, but three pieces of advice you give to people um, to become the best person or athlete or whatever they're, they're going to do. So just try and summarise it. Um, main one is like, don't think of failure as a, an actual failure. Failure. Think of it as a lesson learned. Um, second. Every day, try and do something new or something that's make, that makes you uncomfortable. I've been trying to do that for a while. Every now and then you look at the end of the day, you're like, I've actually done quite a few more things that have like out of my comfort zone. Last one. What was the question again? <laughs> just three, uh, just three pieces of advice you give to people um, to become the best person or athlete or set goals in life, sports, everything. Mm-hmm. And make sure those goals align to who you actually want to be. Not just a fake facade for other people. Yeah. yeah. Love that, though. Yeah. That was good. Sweet. That was good. Thanks, mate. Benito. That was, that was great. Thank you very much. We miss you. Monsieur. Obrigado. I think in today's podcast, there was a little bit of something in there that a lot of people can relate to, whether it's the part before he got into CrossFit or when he started CrossFit and couldn't do certain movements a lot of people can definitely relate to that but what I think makes Phil Roy stand out is the awareness he has um, in situations responsibility for whatever's thrown at him but Probably most of all, and I learned this when I was with him at Wadapalooza, is his curiosity to try new things, to explore, and to put himself in unknown situations. Again, just to see what's out there, what he can do. Um, and I think the courage to go out there and try things is what has really got him to where he is now. Um, so I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And we'll see you next week for another one.